It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, where are you going, Jim? The elevator's over here. Taking the stairs. But our meeting's up on eight. Yeah, I know. But that's eight floors up. That's like eight times eight. I don't A lot of stairs. That's the point. I've already lost a few pounds and earned almost $100 in wellness incentives. Whoa, you're getting rewarded for working out? Yeah, I know. I'm just as surprised as you are, Bob. Fearless is full of surprises. That's the power of the Blue Cross and Blue Shield Federal Employee Program. Learn more about our healthy benefits and sign up at fepblue.org slash choose blue by December 11th. You are Locked On Vikings, your daily Minnesota Vikings podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Locked On Vikings on the Locked On Podcast Network. Sam Ekstrom and Sage Rosenfels talking Vikings football five days a week. Insider information on your favorite football team. Today's show brought to you by Josh Schrock, co-owner and realtor at Wits Realty. Sage Rosenfels joins as he does every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Find him on Twitter at SageRosenfels18. He also writes for thescore.com about quarterbacks sage rosenfels how are we doing today i'm doing great and uh, i'm excited to watch this game i have not written about andrew luck this week and we'll see how the game goes if uh, he sort of shows me something that uh, i find intriguing enough to write about uh, but uh, i think andrew luck is having a, a pretty strong year uh, his qb rating is up close to 100 i think a lot of people aren't talking about andrew luck and uh, the colts uh, you know he was had sort of a down year last year after you know, really being one of the best young quarterbacks that come out in the draft in a long time. And uh, I feel like people were down on him and, and the Colts in general uh, after the last couple of years. And, and, uh, but now he's playing much better, and they are right in the mix uh, of things in the AFC, uh, AFC South. So uh, they, they're going to need him this weekend to, to play really, really well, uh, which, which is tough against this Vikings defense. Plenty more to talk about with Luck and the Colts coming up in a few moments. I'd say the big, the biggest Vikings-related story, though, of the past two days would be Sharif Floyd, after 12 or 13 weeks on the shelf, has finally been placed on the injured reserve. And a lot of people speculating this could be the end of the road for Floyd in purple. There there have been a lot of weird twists and turns with the Floyd story. He He's hurt to start the year in the very first game. Then he goes and gets an arthroscopy on his knee. He's expected to be out for a month, maybe six weeks, and it turns into a year-long injury. And Mike Zimmer made some uh, some very angsty comments towards Sharif Floyd. Maybe there are things going on behind the scenes. Maybe the rehab had some setbacks. Maybe he didn't take it seriously. We don't know exactly what happened with Sharif Floyd, but now he heads into what is basically an off-season of questions. Are the Vikings going to honor that fifth-year option? Or will he be cut? Will he become a free agent? Where do you see Sharif Floyd going from here after not playing whatsoever this season? Well, we will have to see. And uh, if the Vikings didn't like the way he rehabbed that knee, if they felt uh, he could have come back at some point during the season, but maybe Floyd decided not to because he didn't want to risk further injury uh, as he you know goes and more thinks about his own career uh, then the team first, which players have every right to do, but that doesn't always make uh, the team very happy in that situation. So 
Uh, I think there's a lot of unanswered questions there. No one really knows the true facts other than probably Floyd and, and Zimmer and, and maybe a couple of people within that organization. So, uh, you know, he's been a pretty good player for the Vikings, hasn't been, um, you know, an outstanding, you know, multi-time pro bowler, uh, but we will see if the Vikings pick up that fifth-year option. It seems like there's, you know, there are certain players where they reach this point in their career with one team and a change of scenery might behoove them. A guy like Floyd who has I, this season really kind of been maligned by the coaching staff. Zimmer has definitely not painted a nice picture of Floyd. And you wonder if a guy like that might feel it's in his best interest to go out the door. And I'm curious, Sage, in your career, if you encountered certain players who had this mentality of they were ready to leave, they were ready to find greener pastures elsewhere, or are guys generally eager to stay with the team they're at? Oh, I saw both. I, I saw, you know, more often than not, team guys wanted to stay, but then there were players that were, you know, really seemed like just never happy where they were at, uh, you know, on the football team, always looking for uh, an excuse or a complaint about, you know, with the way they're being used or how much they're being used or even just the, the city that they uh, are playing in. So, uh, and, and other players, it doesn't matter where they're at, they wanted to stay on that team no matter what. And, you know, looking back, I bounced around a lot and some by choice and uh, some not by choice. I was traded three different times as well. Uh, it, it would have been nice just to stay in one place for a long time. I, I think there's huge advantages to that. Uh, the, the learning curve when you go to a new team, you know, n new, new defense or offense, new coaching staff, uh, new organization, a uh, new building to go to every day. You, you have to move, find a place to live, uh, learn a new city. Uh, you never really get comfortable uh, in the city that you're in if you're always bouncing around. So uh, the Vikings are uh, one of those organizations, I feel like, uh, in particular just where they are at right now, You know, building this new practice, practice facility in this beautiful brand-new stadium. Uh, I think it's one of those organizations that is on the up and up uh, and that you would want to stay uh, with for as long as possible. Imagine how we would look back at the 2013 draft if Floyd had been healthy, had had a great year. We're talking about three first-round picks. Floyd, Rhodes, who's turning into one of the best cornerbacks in football, and Cordero Patterson, who's emerged to become a, a pretty nice player this season. That might be the finest achievement of Rick Spielman, if Floyd, if he can overcome this, if he can sign a new deal and be a good player for this team, I mean, look at how successful that draft has turned out. That has been a good draft. And, I mean, Harrison uh, Smith was just, I think, a year before that, maybe, maybe two. I mean, he was a, a heck of a late first-rounder. Uh, and, obviously, Teddy, I think the next year, uh, was a good late first-round draft pick. You know, the, the Vikings are going to have some interesting decisions to make, and I'm sure we will be discussing that at length, uh, you know, once this season is over as to who they re-sign, who they, you know, try to renegotiate, uh, and, or, or who they just flat out cut this offseason. You know, we, we've talked about Adrian Peterson making, you know, upwards of almost $18 million next year. Uh, there's some other players who are making a lot of money in, and one, uh, one of the disadvantages of drafting really, really well uh, which they have uh, over the course of the last you know, four years or so, is those players all come up uh, as big-name free agents you know, at about the same time, four or five years later. 
and uh, and you have to resign those guys to big contracts. So it's a good problem to have, uh, but it is a problem, and you can't sign everybody. And it, it might be a situation where they may they may have to let uh, some guys go uh, because they they've only got so much money in the salary cap. Though it is it does look like if you if you followed any of the reports, the salary cap is going to go up about another anywhere between eight and fifteen million dollars next year. So upwards of a hundred and seventy million dollar cap. Uh, which will give uh, the Vikings some some breathing room uh, to sign some players. Quick pause on Lockdown Vikings to take a trip down memory lane. It was March of 2015. My wife and I decided to buy a house. My wife was picky with who she wanted our realtor to be. She wanted to feel comfortable. She wanted somebody who would give us a lot of personal attention. And we wound up going with Wits Realty. Turned out to be an incredibly focused, trustworthy, and professional experience. Seriously, one of the most flawless home buying processes I've ever heard of. We were very lucky to partner with Wits, which is a full-service home buying and home selling organization. They offer free home consultations, helping you strategize how to get the most money out of your sale. They can help you update the house with their home renovation service, that will maximize your profits. Because of their lean model, they can also save you tens of thousands of dollars if you buy and sell your home with wits. You only pay 4%. That's 3% less than the competitors. They keep the focus on you, the customer. It's not about the commission. It's not about the profits. It's about you. Call Josh Schrock, co-owner and realtor at Wits Realty, for more information. 612-656-WITS. 612-656-9487. Also check out witsrealty.com for more information. It's wits, W-I-T-S. So the Vikings play Andrew Luck on Sunday. Andrew Luck, drafted in 2012, first overall pick, actually got his first career victory against the Minnesota Vikings. It was a home game Luck went 20 of 31, two touchdowns, no interceptions, and he led the Colts on a game-winning field goal drive in the closing seconds. And that really began a pretty nice start to the career of Andrew Luck. I think he made the playoffs in his first season, obviously reached the AFC Championship in the Deflate Gate game, has yet to make a Super Bowl. But Andrew Luck has been a part of now, I I think, an organization that has undergone some turmoil, has not necessarily drafted that well, and has not really built up that defense a whole lot. And and suddenly, reflecting poorly upon Andrew Luck as a quarterback, I'm not sure he's really fallen off that much, Sage. It it just seems like his supporting cast is pretty lackluster. Well, when he came into the league, uh, I had him you know, immediately. I, I watched that, that a lot of those games that first season, uh, the playoff game versus the Kansas City Chiefs, which he played just out of his mind. I'm thinking to myself, I think he might be a top five quarterback in the NFL already. He was that good. I, I had never seen at that time a player, a quarterback, come out of college and have uh, not, not just that much success, but just – take control of a football game uh, at such a young age. And uh, he had a couple of good years. Again, had a few down years, has thrown too many interceptions. Uh, but we talk, We just talked about the Vikings roster and, and general manager uh, Rick Spielman and uh, you know the issues that he has, has and, and, and will have of drafting too many good players to have to then re-sign them. Uh, they don't have that issue in, in, uh, w- w- with the Colts. 
this team has drafted very, very poorly. Um, if you go back and go through, you know, usually between something like six and ten players drafted each year, uh, you go back the last uh, you know, three, four, or five years, they only have maybe a third of those players uh, on the roster. It's incredible how poorly they have drafted. So I, you know, I would put, if, if you went from top to bottom, their roster, I would put it uh, in the bottom third of the NFL. Uh, and, but the reason they stay in the hunt, or one, Andrew Luck, I think is a, is a phenomenal quarterback still. He and T.Y. Hilton have an unbelievable connection. And two, they play in a, a very, very average, I shouldn't even say average, they, they play in the worst division in football, the AFC South. It's them, the Houston Texans, the Tennessee Titans, and the Jacksonville Jaguars. So uh, it's, it's one of the worst divisions in football, if not the worst, uh, and that's what keeps them in the hunt. But uh, I think Andrew Luck is still a heck of a player. Uh, he just does not have a, a very good roster. NFL game planning is never simple, but the plan for the Vikings seems pretty cut and dried here. You put Xavier Rhodes on T.Y. Hilton, who's a 1,200-yard receiver this year. They've got nobody else over 500 yards. If you shut down Hilton, seems like you shut down the Colts' passing game. I'm not sure where he goes. I mean, other than that, it's it's Dante Moncrief, tight ends Dwayne Allen, Jack Doyle. But I think the Vikings are such a good coverage team that it seems like take away Hilton, you take away the Colts' offense. Yeah, you know the Vikings are going to have to shut down Hilton and, and obviously you know, shut down Frank Gore, who somehow is still pounding out yards. He's got about 800 yards this year. But yeah, I see Xavier Rhodes will absolutely fall, follow T.Y. all over the field. And I think if possible, they'll probably try to put a safety either over top uh, to help out Rhodes even a little bit, or at least leaning to that side of the field uh, and say, you know what, you guys are going to beat us by your other wide receiver or your or your your other your tight ends or in some other facet, you know, of the football game. T.Y. Hilton does a phenomenal job of versus zone coverage when he can get off the line and get his speed going to you know double move a corner, double move a safety. That's when he gets his big plays. And uh, Xavier Rhodes, I don't think is going to give him that type of air. Uh, uh, and room to, to just get off freely and to get down the field freely. He's going to have to jam him a lot at the line of scrimmage, uh, get in his face, and then stay with him because once T.Y. does get some separation, not many cornerbacks in the NFL can keep up with him. The last two weeks, Hilton has 18 catches for a combined 261 yards and a touchdown, so he's playing really, really well right now. Trivia question, do you know what T.Y. stands for? Uh, other than thank you, I have no idea. Well, it's a trick question because it doesn't stand for anything. His name is Eugene Marquise Hilton, but he goes by T.Y. After his father, who was named Tyrone. <laughs> Great trivia question. Yeah, yeah, thanks. There was no answer. Um, the Colts have been incredibly inconsistent this season. They lose against Houston last week, you know, a week after blowing out the Jets on the road. They get killed by the Steelers at home three weeks after beating Green Bay on the road. So this is a team that can go to Green Bay and win, and it's also a team that can go to London and lose to the Jacksonville Jaguars. So which Colts team is going to show up? They're obviously going to be incredibly desperate because losing that Houston game last week put them behind into the division. They've got at Minnesota, at Oakland, and home against Jacksonville to close it out. But the way that division's been going, 8-8 eight and eight might get it done. Well, I think that's just the thing is they rely so much on Andrew Luck and T.Y. Hilton. 
uh, and really you could probably say Frank and Gore as well. They rely on those three players so much that if they have an off day or another team shuts them down uh, you know, pretty well, they struggle to win football games. They don't have great other options. They don't have a defense like the Vikings have that can uh, you know, pick up the offense and maybe even score points defensively. They don't have uh, a special teams unit that can return punts for touchdowns. The Vikings do all those other things. Uh, they just don't have the big playmaking ability on offense that Andrew Luck and T.Y. Hilton have. So it's almost like a tale of two opposite football teams uh, that are missing sort of links uh, on both sides. They both have their weaknesses. And, uh, and I look, I, I think that the Vikings match up very, very well against this football team, against the Indianapolis Colts. I think uh, Zimmer's smart enough and Xavier Rhodes is good enough and they've got the type of defense uh, to harass uh, – uh, Andrew Luck in the backfield and to stop uh, T.Y. Hilton from getting on the field. I think the Vikings will match up very, very well against this Indianapolis Colts offense. Locked on Vikings, Locked on Podcast Network. Follow the network at Locked on Network. Subscribe to the show on iTunes. Leave a five-star rating, if you please. Let's say the Vikings finish out. They win two of their final three or even their final three games, but they, let's say they do not make the playoffs. Let's say the Vikings don't make the playoffs to end this season. Are you able to consider this an anomaly of a season, Sage, a season that was plagued by injury, a season that, you know, got derailed by coach leaving, a coach getting, you know, having an eye injury and missing a game and just people getting hurt? Or do you approach the offseason with more of a we need to revamp some things in a major way? What's your mindset if they don't make the postseason? Well, I I feel like this Vikings team, uh, I've really had to – really think a lot uh, about, you know, football philosophy, uh, style of football. Um, you know, I think that's with the, the changing of Norv Turner to Pat Shermer. Uh, I, I think you have to really think about how you win football games, how you get to the playoffs, how you win championships, get to the Super Bowl. Uh, what are the teams that are doing around the league? I feel like I've really, and we have, really tried to sort of analyze and study what other teams are doing well, what the Vikings really struggle with. You know, you, you look back and they've had an, incre- an incredible amount of injuries. Um, the offensive line has been uh, a major problem throughout the entire year, uh, losing two tackles early uh, and just struggling up, up front in general. Adrian Peterson, when healthy, he covers up a lot of problems uh, all, along the offensive lines that the Vikings have had over the years. They've never really had a great offensive line like say what the Dallas Cowboys have this year, but Adrian Pearson is so talented uh, that he sort of makes up uh, for, for, for poor offensive line play. So, you know, I feel like there's a lot to study, uh, uh, you know, when this Vikings team goes into the off season. But if you look back, you really go, man, this team has had a lot of bad luck uh, with injuries and with other things, uh, which has caused other, you know, uh, problems to happen. You know, I don't think the North Turner firing happens if the Vikings keep their offensive line, their quarterback, uh, and Adrian Peterson in the backfield. I think uh, they're, they're probably, you know, they probably have nine or ten wins right now, and we're really talking about you know what seed they're going to get in the playoffs. But that's not the way this NFL season went. And you know one of the biggest uh, uh, things to have it to getting to the playoffs, and you can ask almost any NFL head coach this, they will say that uh, one of the you know biggest uh, reasons to make to the playoffs is luck. You, know, you have to do all these things right, and all these teams practice hard, they work hard, they try to draft right, um, and do all these things. But at the end of the day, 
there still takes a lot of luck to, to get uh, into the playoffs, to get deep in the playoffs, to stay healthy, uh, to give your team a chance to win. And Mike Zimmer is so hesitant to talk about injuries publicly to the media. He never wants to use them as an excuse. But do you presume that behind closed doors, in the privacy of the coach's room or in his own home, or when he's talking to his son, the linebacker's coach, do you think he just is pulling his hair out and saying, my gosh, look at the the deck we've been dealt. How can a team possibly, possibly win with the amount of carnage we've had? Do you think that's really what's being said? I don't know if he will ever admit that to to anybody. I, I He might. You know, I, I know in the past the teams I've been on, again, as a quarterback, you do get a little extra information from, say, an offensive coordinator or a head coach uh, in that quarterback's room. You know, you, you do get sort of the behind-the-scenes uh, conversations that you don't get from – that the other players don't get on the football team. And I've been in those those rooms with, with coordinators, with head coaches, who at the end of the season, just like this, who have – you know, who have sort of said, man, we have, we have just been killed by injuries this year. But you you never hear it publicly. You never hear them at a press conference. You never hear that in front of a football team. But, you know, I think that that is sort of a way of building uh, uh, a, you know, a genuine relationship from head coach to quarterback, which is why some head coaches do that. Um, so, yeah, I don't think Mike Zimmer would ever even – I don't even know if – I think he does whatever he can to not even think about – the injuries, and he's a he's a complete no nonsense, no excuse type of guy. Uh, he might have those conversations, you know, with uh, with his son, or you know, maybe with Rick Spielman or whoever. But I think he really limits those because he is a, a no excuse guy. Last one of the day, NFL question: uh, Jeff Fisher fired from the Los Angeles Rams, and I thought the timing was awfully peculiar because they play Seattle tomorrow night on the road, so it's a short week. John Fossil stepping in just your reaction to the Rams making that move I know Jeff Fisher's had a lot of criticism he had a little kerfuffle with Eric Dickerson here we are now with Fisher axed with three games remaining it has not been a smooth transition from St. Louis to LA no and you know Jeff Fisher gets a lot of flack for you know being the the seven and nine or, or eight and eight head coach who continues just to get contract extension after contract extension uh, you know they also just announced a week ago um, you know, less than a week before his firing, that he had gotten a con- uh, contract extension uh, from the LA Rams last summer. Uh, you know, his agent is the father of the general manager in St. Louis, uh, so there's a weird relationship there. Um, you know, I'm not surprised, obviously, by the fine. It is strange to do that on a really short week. Not only is it a Thursday game, but they're flying to Seattle on a Thursday game. I mean, just just absolutely no chance to organize uh, and and say you know who's going to do this, who's going to do that, who's going to now pick up the special teams work because there's just no way the head coach can organize all the special team stuff and really try to uh, be the head coach in the football game. We saw that a couple weeks ago with the Vikings. Um, so not surprising that the LA or that the, yeah, the LA Rams would sort of screw this up. You know, they're one of those organizations that seems to make a lot of the wrong moves and not the right moves. You know, you look at, say, uh, 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 New England Patriots and New York Giants and Pittsburgh Steelers, and there's there's some organizations that just seem to do things the right way or make the right decisions, and then there's some that don't. And, and the Rams are one of those teams that just seems like year after year they make the wrong decision, uh, whether it be the draft or whether it be a, a coaching move or an extension or 
whatever it may be. Uh, I, I had teammates at the end of my career who played for those, you know, St. Louis Rams of, again, this is, you know, 2010, 11, in that era. And they said, you know, this team has just no talent. There's only a few talented players on that football team. I think at the time it was basically they had some young D linemen who are now they're really good D linemen, but they just did not have very many good players uh, on that football team. And, and they have not drafted well. They haven't done well in free agency. Uh, they're just sort of a second-class organization. He's St. Josenfels at St. Josenfels 18. I'm Sam Ekstrom at Sam Ekstrom. This has been Locked on Vikings on a Wednesday. Hopefully Matt Danley of Locked on Colts joins tomorrow. Sage will be back with us on Friday. We got Thursday night football tomorrow night. We got a Saturday game this week with Miami and New York and then a full slate of action on Sunday. So we're getting down to the wire here, Sage. Three weeks to go. We'll talk to you on Friday. Sounds good. Today's Locked on Vikings has been presented by Josh Schrock, co-owner and realtor of Wits Realty, witsrealty.com. Is democracy in danger or decline? Condoleezza Rice, William Galston, and Carlos Gutierrez and others take on this question in the fall edition of The Catalyst, a journal of ideas from the Bush Institute. Surveys show Americans place less trust in institutions like the media and business. Others contend America has faced far more challenging periods and emerged strong. Leading policymakers, Bush Institute experts, and respected journalists take on this debate. Read about it at bushcenter.org slash catalyst. Hey, sports fans. My name is Ben Beacon. I'm the host of Locked On Wolves, the Minnesota Timberwolves podcast on the Locked On NBA Network. The Wolves might be in the middle of what's turned out to be a pretty miserable season, but there's still plenty to talk about. From the aftermath of the trade deadline to looking ahead at what moves Gerson Rosas and the front office might be planning for the summer to the possibility that all-star snub Carl Anthony Towns could go off on any given night, it's still going to be a fun spring. Tune into Locked On Wolves daily, Monday through Friday. I'm Ben Beacon with Locked On Wolves, and we'll catch you next time.